3: This is Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions.
2: With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight.
1: Hello there and welcome to Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. I'm Rob McKnight and there's no surprise here, but I am joined by the serial killer whisperer herself, Amanda Howard. Hello, Amanda.
4: Hello, Robert. It's It's been a couple of days between episodes, but I'm, I'm glad that we're here and we're doing it once again. Indeed. We
1: love uh, doing it and in the nicest possible way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Amanda, uh, you know, in a few days time, it's the anniversary of your husband's suicide yeah and it's interesting the episode that you've come up for this week it's reflecting on some philosophical themes we're going to look at a very we're going to go on a very different tangent this week to do with death and family
4: yeah so we're going to have a look at um not the killers themselves but we're actually going to talk about their families and those that have um often appeared in the uh the interviews with police with the person that's been charged as well as um press interviews that have gone ahead when uh, the news is very very raw so it's just it's looking at how people handle um, what has happened to someone they love but also what has happened to their entire family because you know we we often look at these cases in isolation just looking at the killer themselves but in this one we're actually going to go beyond that and it just shows how, how um, things like this can actually change a person's life
1: yeah this is a really fascinating episode and look um, Amanda gave a very raw and honest interview on the first anniversary of her husband's death. There was a lot of drinking involved as well. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and
1: uh, it's a, it's that episode is still available on the free service, so you don't need to go to Patreon or anything like that. It's the first episode. It's episode eight um, where I would really recommend listening to that, but make sure you've got tissues with you because it's an amazing chat and Amanda really opened up and uh, we've left it there for good reason. So um, anyone who can relate or wants to hear the other side of dealing with death, it's it's a fascinating listen. And uh, don't forget to reach out to the many organisations around the world if you are feeling down or depressed about Uh, the state of affairs or loved ones that have died or anything like that. There's a lot of services around the world to reach out for. In the meantime, let's get into the news. And there are new reports the alleged Golden State killer is going to cut a plea deal. CBS News 13 has more.
2: The suspect, Joseph D'Angelo, is expected to admit to the crimes in a plea deal to spare him from the death penalty. Prosecutors are holding the hearing in a large ballroom at Sac State, large enough for the victims, families, and the media. The former Auburn police officer has been behind bars since his 2018 arrest.
4: Amanda, I do believe you called this a long time ago. <laughs> it seems to be the way that these ca- these cases go these days. That um, it's easier to cut a deal, and it, it, like then the costs go down because you know these these cases, like like we're seeing with the Claremont case, they can go for years. And so the fact that it looks like that they're going to cut a deal, which is going to take the death penalty off the table, um, he will get a better. Um, lifestyle in, in prison than if he was on death row. And it's just something that I think was going to be inevitable. And it's Why, makes though, it-
1: Amanda? Why? Because there are a lot of people being hurt by this guy, if he is indeed the guy. Um, and let's assume innocence until he's proven guilty, mm-hmm. of course. Um, so with the if the prosecutors have the evidence, why wouldn't they go full force and get the full power of the law? Why should he get comforts in jail?
4: Well, it's not exactly about the comforts in jail it's more about that they know that they're going to put him in jail it's so um because it can come down i've seen cases that have gone to the very last second and then the jury has come back and said no it's not enough so they so, just don't
1: want to take that chance
4: exactly and with a case like this all it takes is 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 one little thing that um the defense will question that can put that seed of doubt in a jury or or judge's mind and so then they actually go to a point saying well if this piece of evidence might not be real how about everything else and because it comes down to reasonable doubt if there's one point that is enough and when you're looking at such a, a grand case as this one is it is um, a lot of wheels that have to turn so it it's better mm-hmm. As, as you said, it is better for um, D'Angelo, if he is the killer, to take the plea deal, uh, because he will get a, a, an easier life. But it's also it means to other families that he will be going to jail, and they don't have to sit through all of this stuff and having their families dragged through the mud or the ridicule that sometimes comes victim shaming, all of that, it's gone. It's taken off the table. He goes in and says guilty, and he goes to a better life in prison. In 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 a lot of prisons in the US, there is um, a harsher life in, in certain areas, especially death row, they um, aren't allowed to associate with other people. They get um, shackled every time they have to leave their cell. They're in their cell for longer and all of that. So if he's put into an area, he'll probably still be in protective custody. But um, if he's in gen pop, it's going to be easier for him to sort of um, get around and do things, especially as an older man. But as I said, he, he will be in protective custody, but he will be in an easier protective custody than he would if he was on death row. What do you mean, victim shaming? Well, there's never a case that that goes forward um, that they don't sort of question the families. Now, a a um long-time... a lot of the time there is um, people that come forward and say, well, if, if this person wasn't walking down the street at 3am, you know, they w- wouldn't have been grabbed and stuff like this. Now, um, D'Angelo went into the homes and so it's different, but these people have to then go through each detail that, you know, the strangulation, the stabbings, the, the ridicule that they actually endured before they were killed. Mm, they don't have job. to go in, into that because they've already been there. And it's basically just taking that scab off a wound that is trying to heal.
1: Gotcha. Okay, a man in India dubbed Cyanide Mahan has been found guilty of the rape and murder of a young woman. This is the 20th and last of the murder cases registered against the criminal who has killed several women using cyanide after befriending and raping them. Amanda, tell me about this guy
4: weird that they keep coming up with these names in india because um cyanide mohan is is just sort of the, the next one from cyanide malika who is one of the world's worst serial killers and she did similar things to what he has and it's and they are able to get cyanide quite quickly so um what they do is they find people that they believe are vulnerable abduct them take them away um promise them the world and then they're actually in, in, in this case, they're, they're raped before they're being poisoned. So it's weird that in a world where we no longer use cyanide and it's hard to get, in India, it seems to be right there and ready to use. So it's, it's amazing that this country keeps having poisoning. Um, uh, they keep having serial killers that use poison.
1: Amazing. All right. Well, now to an update on a story we brought you last week. Michael Bear Carson has been denied parole and will have to wait 10 years until his next hearing. The serial killer was known as part of the San Francisco Witch Killers after a crime spree in the 70s and early 80s. Carson's daughter has long opposed his release. Amanda, this strikes me. Why does his daughter want him to stay behind bars?
4: um well it's 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 quite interesting that we're doing this news article compared to what we're doing for this week's um case but uh she believes that he is just as dangerous and just as horrible as his victims do so uh, she believes that if he actually gets out he will kill again and she's already had to deal with that entire life knowing that her father is a serial killer that she doesn't want to then have to relive that again if he gets out and it's a it could be just you know a couple of weeks couple of months mm. before he he kills again so um she's there with the victims and the victims families to um hopefully deny his parole, which we've seen has happened
1: i fascinating because you know a lot a lot of times the uh family will get behind the the killer because they 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 love them and they care for them but uh this is a really interesting stance it really struck out at me Well, first it was Harold Shipman and now Osama bin Laden has turned up in the crowd of a football game. English soccer fans caught sight of the dead terrorist leader during a Leeds United game. With crowds not allowed at matches due to the coronavirus crisis, leagues around the world have been using fake fans so stadiums don't look completely empty. Ah, Amanda, the games
4: continue. Oh, my God, this is so funny. I know it's horrible and I know that he's responsible for thousands of deaths. Yeah, but but it's just just quirky. It's just, you know... There's people out there with gallows humor, and and I appreciate them, and I wish that they would contact me because I need to be their friend because I find this, uh, um, just just so morbid and dark that it that it is beyond that. <laughs> it's just so funny, and I like their sense of humor.
1: It is. Look, it, you know, I agree. It's not that big a deal. It's just, uh, uh, you know, it's people being stupid and funny, and uh, it doesn't represent. Uh, it's not an indication that anyone approves of what he did. It's no, just, but,
4: yeah, but it's just—I don't know. I—I I, I wish I had that—that that, that thought process. I would make a whole section of all of these various serial killers from the, around the world, just just to see what it would look like. But um, no, th- this is amazing, and I'm glad that they're. Oh, you like, sort
1: of done that in your room. What are you talking <laughs> about? Yeah, my office looks a bit that way. I can see John
4: Gacy behind you. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, Fred Deeming and Zodiac and Albert Fish, but um. I, I can understand that Harold Shipman got through because he does look like someone's dad. Yes. But Osama bin Laden, I there is know. no one in this world who doesn't know what he does. no like. one
1: putting it. Someone, <laughs> you've got to remember, someone actually has to place it in the seat, right? So well, someone has
4: just to, just to approve up. it. Someone has to, cut, like, send it to the printer. Someone has to cut it out and someone has to put it in a chair.
1: And no one went, We've got Osama bin Laden here. <laughs> Oh, what a crack up. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe the US didn't get him and Osama Bin Laden's hiding out at Leeds Football Stadium. <laughs> ah,
4: I love a good conspiracy, you know yeah, that.
1: <laughs> All right. Coming up in a moment, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're looking at the families of serial killers and how they deal with their horrific acts. And don't forget you can join our Patreon fan group at any stage simply by going to patreon.com slash mwmconfessions. And you can even just donate here. You just a few dollars our way, a cup of coffee's worth just to keep the podcast going. In the meantime, we'll be right back.
0: Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together.
2: Media executive Rob
1: McKnight. Something brand new is coming to your social media feed. Big Brother winner
3: Ben Norris. This is something bold and informative with a side of humour.
2: And journalist David Robbo Robinson. It's truly going to be something different. Robin Robbo Show starts April 20. Go to TVBlackBox.com.au/slash for more information.
1: Well, this week we're doing something very different. The maxim says blood is thicker than water, but does this still ring true when you find out a family member is a killer? How does someone reconcile the thoughts that the person they love is a cold-blooded murderer? Amanda, what can we expect in today's episode?
4: Yeah, we have talked about the families of killers before. I remember when we did the John Wayne Gacy episode; um, his sister was on mm. a lot of it, and and Ted Bundy's mum, and all of that, you know. And and we do try to comprehend how they must feel, you know. And we do see a range of emotions from a lot of them, you know. We do see the hatred, we do see the disappointment, we do see the confusion. Um, but this time, we're actually going to look at something different. We're going to look at those that are still there to support their family, those that have to sort of negate their own thoughts and just be there so it's it's a very different point of view that we're going to look at you know and we're not going to profile the families it's, it's not fair for them to have to go through that that sort of spotlight you know but we're just going to go through their emotions and how they must be feeling without sort of saying you know this is what they're thinking this is their body language or anything like that this is just about how they have coped with what has happened because a lot of them are ostracized and shunned purely because of the of the crimes of their kin
1: yes they've been tarred with the same brush that's for sure okay let's get into the first case that of school shooter nicholas cruz this is the one that inspired you to do this episode can you give us a bit of background
4: yeah, well, um, 19-year-old Nicholas Cruz uh, was the a school shooter who went into uh, Stoneman Douglas High on February 14, 2018, and opened fire. Now, um, he killed 17 students... Uh, sorry, 17 people, so students and teachers. And the event was actually a major catalyst that I thought would bring around gun reform in the US. Um, a lot of the students said that they would refuse to return to school until something was done. Um, but besides all of that... Um, Cruz was interviewed for 10 hours and we will be doing that as a case later on. But about halfway through the interview, um, he's sitting there in scrubs, he's got his hands handcuffed behind his back because he had been tearful and quite suicidal. And uh, the officer says that he cannot uncuff him because he was sort of scratching at his arm and trying to harm himself Um, but Cruz actually asked for the interviewing officer to bring his brother Zachary into to to talk to him now Cruz was adopted and his uh, adopted parents had died so basically Zach is the only family he has and they're both from different races so uh Nicholas Cruz is um white and Zachary is black. So we're seeing a whole different sort of family dynamic here and it is just heartbreaking.
1: Well, this is what happened when Zach was brought into the interview
5: room.
0: Hi. I did talk to Zach. He's right here.
4: Okay. Well, listen up though. If you want to talk to Zach, because of some of the things you said, I'm going to have to sit in the room. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to ask you any questions. But I can't leave you two alone because some of the things you said about harming yourself.
2: Yeah.
4: Do you want to talk to Zach? Yes. Okay, Zach, have a seat.
5: And again, I'm not saying anything at all, so... What do you think mom would think right now? If she, would she would cry. Would... She would cry. You, you, you're... People think you're a monster now. A monster? You don't have anything you're not acting like yourself, like, why, like, we've, this is not who you are, like, come on, what do you, why did you do this, this is, don't even laugh at me, dude, this is, I, keep, I try to, what happened to your Instagram, I tried to text you, like, literally a couple of days ago, because I had this bad feeling in my heart, right, what happened to your Instagram, why did you text me? Or what happened to it? Why'd you stop with your social media? People. And you mean people, dude, it's, it's yeah. irrele- irrelevant people. What, who, tell me exactly who, who made you delete your Instagram? Who? People. What people? People. Don't Do you I think, don't think this is not even a game? You're not gonna wake up and be out of here. I know. You remember when we were in the hospital and I told you I had your back. Remember when mom died. remember we were walking down the hallway and I told you? You don't remember. You probably don't cause you just did some fucked up shit. I told you when we were walking down the hallway. That's just me and you and I had your back. Alright, I know you, you probably feel like you have nobody, but I I care about you. I literally would pull my heart out for you. I know, it, I make it seem like I didn't care about you at all. I know I made it seem like when we were growing up that I hated you, I didn't like you. But truth is, I just didn't wanna look like, a, I didn't wanna look weak. I love you with all my heart. Like, I will tell you, I'm telling you right now, I love you. All right, I know what you did today. There's, other people look at me like I'm crazy for you and, and I don't, I don't care what other people think, like, You're my brother. I love you. I want want you to... You can't,
1: why are you? Amanda, Zach was only 17, two years younger than Nicholas when the massacre occurred, yet here he is, the voice of reason to his adopted brother. You know, no-one would blame him for hating Nicholas. Most of the world at that moment, and probably to this day, hates Cruz.
4: Yeah, and, and yet there is Zachary. He's, he sits there face-to-face with his brother, and as we heard, Nicholas is actually solving his his heart out throughout this. Um, but Zach's words become more powerful the longer he actually speaks to his brother because he, he knows that he is the only person in this world that can't hate Cruz at this time. So Zachary just sort of, he, he melts your heart. He really does.
1: Yeah, then Zach turns to the officer in the room and asks a question that will break your heart.
5: Can I hug
0: him? Yeah. As long hug? as Yeah, as
5: long <laughs> as you. <yeah. laughs> I'm sorry, I love you. I love you too, bro. I know what you've gone through,
0: though. I'm sorry. That's OK, bro. <laughs> I
5: know how you grow up. I know we've, I know that people don't understand you, but I understand you. Yeah, I I don't. You You don't know what you want to do with your life. You didn't know what you want to do with your life. How, how did you not know what you want to do with your life? You talk about the army. I know. You talk about. Hmm. I think that's really it. I mean, you never really told me about how you want to do with your whole life. You can never even. You couldn't. Why would you jeopardize that? Like, you can't even own a gun now. You can't even. Man, it's not even about the gun. I don't know why I'm talking about that. You're only nineteen. Dude, do you know how many years you had ahead of you? You know how many years you had years? You're stuck. You're still stuck in your teenage mindset. and you did this dumb shit. You, you're not thinking about your future. I still care for you.
0: What?
5: Well, I, I still love you. I still love you too. Bro, like, I mean, I just, I wish I could have prevented this. Because I feel like this is, this is a big part of, like, my fault also. Because, you know, I grew up, we grew up together. Like, I know I was, I know I was the nicest to you. I know I probably made you feel like shit. And you told me that, I, I'm pretty sure that you told me that I made you want to kill yourself or something. And I'm sorry that I've I grew up being a dumb jerk to you and made fun of you and didn't want you to hang out with my friends even though you there's nothing wrong. Like I think about it, like I was just I don't know man. I don't I don't even know how to talk right now. You can't even see Kobe anymore or Maisie. And that's why he would text me, you'd be like, Oh, how are Kobe, how are Maisie? And they're good. Like, dude, you had, you had me, though. I was, I swear, like, I even cried, dude. I think I've I've thought about, like, you killing yourself, and I cry about it. And by myself, I think, damn, like, this kid, like, if he killed himself, like, I would feel like, I'd feel like shit, because this is my brother, like, I love him.
0: A failure,
5: dude. I mean, no question about it. No, nah, you you're just, you're lost. You're not in your head. Like, you're not, you're not with yourself. You're, I feel like you're caught up in something like something in your head. It's not, you're not right in the head. That's, that's for sure. You're not right in the head.
1: I'm so conflicted when I hear this, Amanda. We got Zach there blaming himself. We got a kid who has massacred people, and yet, especially when you see the video, see the way he's chained up, see him crying like a lost puppy, I have sorrow for him, and I can't reconcile the two thoughts that you little shit to take these lives, and then I feel immense sorrow for him. It's I can't ever understand of what it would be like to be the family of a the, the, the sibling of a serial killer but I feel like seeing this kid I get some sense because it's such a confliction in my mind
4: just a place that you know I, I almost found this tape accidentally because I found um, a, a cut of just some of this and then I found the full 10-hour interview and this poor 17-year-old kid is just standing there in front of his older brother. You can tell that they had a weird dynamic growing up that, um, mm. you know, that, that, that Nicholas was sort of the dorky kid, you know, a yep. bit special, you know, just sort of needed different sort of, of environment. And Zach Saint seems to be the cool kid who had the cool friends and, and Nicholas knew. wouldn't have had knew, anything to do nah. with
1: him, you know. And he sort yep. of admits that in there, that I, he didn't treat him well, you know. Yeah. So he's obviously taking on a lot of guilt for this.
4: Yeah, and I mean, for Zach, he even actually says in in this tape that um, he promises Nicholas that he's going to go to court every single day and this poor kid he did he went every single day and um even according to the washington post zach didn't even own a suit and he had to actually go and borrow some so he could wear suits to the court and so he could go in and sit close to his his brother you know um but what effect this has on zach after all of this is that he actually got ostracized by his community he got kicked out of home um he actually ended up with mental health issues himself and he's been in hospital several times and he's been arrested twice as well so you know this is that butterfly effect that 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 is starting to happen this this poor 17 year old boy who's who's lost his parents too and and his his adopted brother has now gone and killed people in the deadliest school shooting in american history we have to remember that as well and and zach is the only person that that nicholas can talk to and he so he he's basically taking on that role of parent you expect him to say any moment i'm not mad i'm disappointed because that's the tone he's using he 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 wants to say what the fuck what did you do but he knows that he needs to be there for his brother and he needs to comfort him regardless of the heinous crimes that he has done you know but nothing will ever be the same and um nicholas realizes that i mean he, as as zach said you know you're not right in the head and it, it's an easy way to justify what happened you know but then zach finds out that he's not right in in, in the head just to use his terms and ended up in a mental institution himself but that's not what he means what he means by that is that your thought processes change and something created this and so he's trying to find things that maybe if I loved my brother more he might not have done this and that's a horrible thing for a 17 year old boy to have to try and work through
1: Mm -hmm. well look then he changes the conversation you
5: remember those days when we go to the pool and we talk we talk going there and walking back about crazy shit like I really I liked hanging out with you dog, but you know like we have different like thought like we, we didn't really like I don't know, we, we do different stuff. That's why we I wasn't always there. You know, I like to skate, you like to guns. You I just you like guns. That's all I knew. I wasn't in the I didn't feel it like that. I was like the I, mean, I don't even want to leave. I want to stay here with you, but I can't. I can't, dude. I want to talk to you. Like I don't. I, w- I would love to just talk to you one the one, without anybody. Like I wish. I. I wish you could just get up and walk with me and go walking, but no. You can't talk. You can't do none of that. All right. Well, like I said, I gave you guys some time together. And- Thank you.
4: No, I understand that. I no, mean, I'm.
5: Yeah, I'm coming to your trials. I'm coming to everything. All right, I'm. Co- I'll come see you when, whenever I'm allowed to. I will have everything. I swear to God. Every time I, I have the chance to see you, I will come see you. Thank you. I swear on everything I love. I will come see you every chance I am given. All right. No matter what happens, I'm gonna come see you. All right. I'm gonna come see you. I, I care about you. All right. <laughs> I'm gonna come see you. All right. <laughs> I promise, I'm gonna come see you every time. <laughs> I care about you, all right? I, I, I care about you, dog, like, I hope
3: you know. <laughs> I care what
5: you You really messed up this time, like, at a point where, like, it's not even, like, a joke. It's not, not no one can get you out of this, dog, like. <clears throat> <clears throat> I we'll have one have another conversation with you another time, alright. Like, we'll, I'll try to talk to you, alright. Like I said, I'll let you guys talk privately, but you know his his concern for me was just stay just stay solid, alright. Just don't don't hurt yourself, alright, alright. So just 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 live your life, alright. Please do not kill yourself, alright. You're given one life, like you don't understand. I I don't think you understand that you're given one life. You only can live one time. All right, don't just end it because you don't like how it is. Live your life, see how it is. Even if it's gonna feel hopeless, if it feels hopeless, you gotta, you just gotta push through, dog. That's all I can tell you right now. All right? Okay. All right, Zach, Shit. I do you see, I have to go. I can't, I literally can't stay here with you. Like, I wanna stay here with you. I don't wanna go, I don't wanna go back out there. All right? Mm. People are, are crazy out there right now. I do not want to go back out there, but yeah. I have to. Okay. All right? I'm going to come see you, bro. Please, don't forget, all right? Okay. When you're feeling hopeless, think about me, all right? I'm going to – I love you. I believe good well, you, things you. are going to have the chance to talk
4: to him on the phone. They have phones and everything over there and everything else. So once he gets just, situated, he can call you. Just you stay solid,
5: know. all right? stay. Be strong. Be strong for me, all right? Oh, if you're true. not, don't – if you're not for yourself, do remember, think of me. Be strong for me, please. Cause I love you. I don't, I don't care about anybody else in my life right now. I'm, I don't care about skateboarding. I don't care about nothing. I don't care about being cool. I don't care about none of that. I don't care about you right now. All right. I don't care what people think about me for thinking that I love you and I care about you. I don't care what nobody thinks. I care about you. I care about you. I don't care what other people think. I just want you to know that i I love you, dog. Like I really do, like. Like, I, don't, I feel like I had a better bond
1: with you than mom. Like. Zach really has the weight of the world on his shoulders. He's being held accountable for his brother's action. He's also trying to stop his brother from killing himself um, and, and talk him up. What a hard position to be in, Amanda.
4: It is, and that's why he is is repeating himself, because there's no words. There's there's nothing, regardless of the support and love he has for his brother, nothing can change what's happened, and he has that 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 weight of of the world on, on his shoulders, you know, he just keeps saying, you know, I love you and I'm going to be here for you. And really that's all he, he he can do. Um, you know, Cruz had to go into, um, you know, lockdown and make sure that he, he didn't kill himself. And it's just, um, horrifying for this young boy that has to take on his his brother's crimes essentially and you know I, I just want to hug Zach I just I just want to tell him it's okay and just sort of adopt him and take him as as, as my own purely because this kid is an innocent in all of this, regardless of if he was mean to his brother. Everyone's mean to their brother. I mean, that happens. Mm. But but that's not why he went and, and did one of the deadliest, the most deadliest shooting in, in American history. And so poor Zach, he just, he just has to live his life knowing that he's the brother of that killer.
1: Yeah. Well, look, moving on to the next case, and this time the details and the discussions are very different. Chris Watts, the man who murdered his wife and two daughters in August 2018, asks to speak to his father during the second day of interrogations. Here's how it starts. Watts has failed the polygraph and he's crying. His father sits close to him. They're left alone in the room. Hey, Chris, we're going
3: to let you have uh, however much time you need, OK? Sure.
2: Anybody was in there? No. Uh, yeah. Yes. Sure. I know. I don't know. because do too much I don't so, I mean there. know. do I not gonna let me
3: go. Isn't mm-hmm. reason why no he shouldn't? Mm-hmm. They, they know I had an And they, they know. I can't complain about that. Mm-hmm.
2: That morning it was, you know, emotional and told her about separation and everything like that. Mm-hmm.
1: So Watts tells his father he had an affair and believes he is about to be arrested. It must be so hard for his father.
4: Well, yeah, I mean, the emotions are all over the place and and his dad's just trying to sit there and be supportive, you know. He he tries to negate the polygraph saying, yeah, but, you know, there's lots of emotions going on. You know, he's believing he's sitting with his son who has just lost his wife and children. He's not believing that his son is a killer so oh, i
1: know i know i know you want to, to dive into back. this now but we are doing a full profile on what's in a later episode so let's continue with the recording Watts confesses to his father but it's a lie i don't want to protect her well i don't want to protect her you
3: don't want to protect her i don't, her. I don't know what else to say
2: she hurt him? Yeah. And then I
3: figured out I her. Well, no. I figured out when I hurt her. You hurt her? Did they leave after that for a long time?
2: So she started, she started hurting kids. Paper.
1: there's a lot of silence in there.
4: Yeah, I mean, this is so hard to not profile. Um, <laughs> and it's really frustrating that we can hear the clock louder than we can the actual people in, in the interview. But anyway, but, but there seems to be a distance between the two men. Now, this is almost quite typical of what we see in an adult male and his father. So, um, you know, there is that toxic masculinity sort of playing a, a bit here. You know, but he's actually lying to his his father. He's saying there that um, his wife killed the kids. And so, and so he had to attack her, you know, and he's actually laying down the groundwork for a confession that goes along that way. But, you know, it's totally the opposite end to to what really happened, but his father has to sit there and not give judgment. So he's just there to support his his son, Chris, but you can tell that there is so much more to come and we will get to it on promise.
1: Yes, well, we don't want to spoil that, so we'll come back to that in a later episode. The next interview is with the brother of Stephen Paddock, the Las Vegas shooter who killed at least 50 people before turning the gun on himself. This is a live-to-air interview on KTNV Las
2: Vegas the following morning. An asteroid just landed on us, and on Las Vegas. As far as we are concerned, we we have no idea.
5: Does your brother live there
2: or here or? What? He, this is all in the public record. He lived in Mesquite.
0: Okay.
2: He had a girlfriend.
0: Okay.
2: He gambled at the casinos. <laughs> he called his mother. <laughs> ever any indication at all that he's nothing that we're we're lost i don't understand it makes there's no anything was he described the brother you know uh, describe the man you know there's he's a guy he's just a guy who lived in las vegas and played at the casinos went on cruises did stuff There's no, there's nothing. That's what's bizarre. I mean, he was... I mean, this is—I don't even want to say—but he lived in a house. He had a girlfriend. Um, there's nothing. Was there anything going in his any, going on in his as life? Far now, as far as we was- know, there's nothing. Okay. I mean. When was the last time you talked to him? He texted me after the hurricane when we lost power for five days to ask how my mom was. I mean, <laughs> there's nothing. Uh, we're. I was We're dumbstruck. I was She's up pretty freaked out. Yeah. Well, Strangely enough, like the number of guns, the firearms that he had, does that again, surprise you? I mean, yes, I have no idea that he had, that he would have that many firearms.
0: A military background? No.
2: And I don't. I don't want to talk much more. This is all. Once again, I'm t- what I'm telling you is all part of the record. There's no. Okay. There's. He has no police record. He has. He doesn't even have parking tickets. Probably. There's. This is how did you hear that he was We got phone calls. The Las Vegas PD were cooperating with the cops. We have talked to the PD. We, we, we this is like you called me up and said your next door neighbor did this. And I'd go, Wow, my next door neighbor did that. All I've ever seen him do is mow his yard. I, I'm the fact that my brother did this is there's no There's nothing. I mean, there's absolutely no... We don't understand. Did
0: he
2: have... No. no Once again, this is all simple public record stuff. If you could, once again, your message to these people and these families. I... I... I, I, There's not even anything I can say. I mean, um... How do you... Mm -hmm. I mean my brother did this. I this is like it was done you know like he shot us.
1: This man is in shock. He he's really living a nightmare.
4: Yeah, and it's just it's just horrible that that they put the family in in you know camera straight on their face just to get that first word you know and 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 the last question was the worst thing and it's asked so often you know what does the family want to say to other victims it's like they are to blame that why didn't they fix this man before he went and did this and this brother says this he goes he was like the guy next door he was friendly he was nice he asked about mum you know this this is what I, I keep saying over and over again in in this podcast is that killers don't look different they don't act differently they are part of society and you don't know especially with a mass killing like this it is such an explosive act that often there may be some planning but it takes that 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 final um moment where that they sink or, or swim i mean we did roof a couple of weeks ago and he sort of said you know i i tried here and i, I went to the shopping center and it just didn't work then i went to have the church and, and and did it and this is what we get and these poor families have to sort of deal with this and and they don't know anything until the police ring them and say that 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 shooting event was your brother and he's now dead. So they have the grief of of losing someone that they love as well as him being responsible for this horrific crime and and they're always asked to to say something to other victims these people are victims as well and it's unfair to to try and get a scoop on something when you're not going to get anything they're not going to go yeah you know what he's been shooting people for 50 years it's not going to happen but the the news stories want to get that that shock and this guy's face is just horrifying as you said he's living a nightmare
1: Well, next we head to a case very close to home. The massacre in Christchurch perpetrated by Aussie Breton Tarrant in March 2019. Tarrant live-streamed the massacre of Muslim worshippers in the New Zealand city. Channel 9 News in Sydney spoke to Tarrant's grandparents the day after.
0: We're all gobsmacked. We don't know what to think. It's... um you know, the media is saying he's planned it for a long time, so he's obviously not of sound mind, I don't think.
1: Amanda, saying he isn't of sound mind, that's probably the easiest way for families to actually comprehend what's happened, Right
4: yeah absolutely true you know we we can try to dismiss abhorrent acts by assuming the person is is crazy or they're incapacitated somehow there are some that you know they were on drugs that they, they've blamed antidepressants for columbine and things like that it would be easy for us to pigeonhole these people saying only people who are crazy do these sorts of acts but the opposite is, is true these people are of sound mind you know going back to Cruz, you know he was shocked by his own actions roof that we did a few weeks ago said i'm halfway through and thought what am i doing and he wanted to stop but he just mm. didn't know how to you know but tarrant is 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 different because we saw how how well planned he he had done this that, those that have seen the tape um, you know, he had all all that graffiti all over his, his weapons, you know, 88, Heil Hitler, um, which we learned after the event. Um, and there's all these different, um, parts of this, especially the live streaming that takes this case to a higher level of, of, um, cruelty. So, um, the family does want to think he's, he's crazy, but we will soon see that, you know, his, his grandma loved him like she probably does all of her grandchildren. Mm,
3: mm.
1: Well, the interview continues and the reporter uses words like normal and happy before Terence's grandmother again speaks.
0: It's just so much for everything to take in that somebody in our family would do anything mm. like this. Spent most of his time on computers and learning the ins and outs of computers and playing games on computers. But I don't think girlfriends were on the agenda and said getting married was (laughs) too hard.
1: It's interesting, isn't it, how his grandmother speaks fondly of him as she jokes about his younger years.
4: But well, this is what they often try to do, is they want to separate the man that perpetrated these crimes with the child that they knew. So so they want to say that there's nothing about their upbringing that created that. And it's true. I mean, there is people that we've seen that were horribly abused, passed from foster home to foster home. There is all of that sort of stuff. There's the acceptance that um, Berkowitz and Bunny have had to have about their real parentage. And, and, and there is those sort of moments that do create that perfect storm. But it's more of a coping mechanism news and father families to say well we thought he was normal he was no different to his other you know cousins and they do this to, to try and, and create that break because they don't want to think that the person who did that is who they know so they, they cope by distancing themselves of the person he became
1: mm. well his grandmother then attempts to reconcile the murders with the ongoing Islamophobia across the across the globe more from the nine news report.
0: It's only since he travelled overseas, I think, that that boy has changed completely to the boy
4: we knew. Investigators believe Tarrant had been planning his attacks for two years whilst living in New Zealand. But 12 months ago, he returned to Grafton for his sister's birthday... And there were no red flags. It was
0: just his normal self, you know. We all chatted and that sort of thing and had a meal together to celebrate that occasion. And now everybody's just devastated.
1: His uncle then discusses how they found out what Taran had done by watching TV like the rest of the world.
2: First up, I said, nah, couldn't be. Couldn't be, but then I said, in his favour. What he's done.
0: It's, it's just just not right. It's, it's yeah. un- unrepairable.
1: Both of them, they're shaking their heads many times. There's disbelief, there's shock. But there is something missing, isn't there?
4: Well, yeah, there is no hatred and that's why I wanted to do this episode. These people still love the person that they knew so it's almost like that there's a double loss so though they now know that their family is now linked to such a heinous crime forever but they have lost that person as well so it's not just about all of the deaths it's about essentially the death of their loved one I mean Tarrant survived as as we know and most of them did except for the Las Vegas shooter so you know they they can hate what they did, but they don't hate the person. So, you know, and it's good to see that, you know, the love is unwavering and is unconditional. You know, they can be hurt, they can be shocked, that, and, and there could be hatred, though there's none here. But that love does continue. You know, like I said, they hate the act but not the person.
1: Mm. Well, like many interviews with family members of killers, they are asked what they would say to the victims.
2: We say sorry. <laughs> For the families over there, for for the dead and the injured, yeah, we just can't think nothing else. Just want to go home and hide.
4: Shattered, yes, yes. shattered is the word.
0: Must be so hard for
1: them, Amanda.
4: Well, it is. And, and during that interview, uh, the grandmother even says that she hasn't been able to contact Terrence's mum because they've they've had to go into hiding because of the retribution that they thought may come because um, there is people who, who will know who Terrence's family is because yes. they, these people aren't isolated. They have friends. They, you know, he certainly had a Facebook. We, we know that. So, you know, this is about that butterfly effect. And I think it is always cruel that a family has to say something to the victims I don't think they should have to I don't believe that they need to give a public apology purely because someone in their family did such a heinous crime that person needs to give apologies if nothing else but the family does not need to
1: it's an interesting thing you bring up because it it is a question all families are asked and you know is there a level of responsibility thrown on these people for not seeing that there was a killer in the family
4: by seeing the shock that these these people are are exhibiting it shows that they didn't know that this was going to happen this isn't something that you go into their bedroom and like we see on tv and they've got all the maps all up and you know they've got pinpoints of what they're going to do and what their plan is they don't they they have you know some unusual traits maybe but it's not like we can go well if a b and c happens you know we're going to get a school shooter if that was the case we would never have them so the families cannot be responsible yeah if 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 the parents had been sexually abusing this guy for 12 years and then and then he goes and shoots them dead i totally get that but these families like this grandmother shouldn't have to apologize to the new zealand people because of what her grandson did and that is horrible and cruel
1: yeah look i agree um next we head to a case that amanda you know the killer
4: yeah now this is actually a hard one and there will be a lot of people that won't agree with me here but you know um elma wayne henley known as wayne um was a serial killer but i also believe he is a victim now we're going to do this case as well in the near future actually um but what we have here is the final part of the case so what happened is that um henley after an argument with fellow killer dean call actually shot him dead so um call had said to him well if if you don't like what's going on kill me and he did now wayne and another accomplice david brooks who had been procuring victims for call before um henley was brought in henley was first supposed to be a a victim but he seemed to have more traits that call liked so um as I said, finally, Wayne actually stood up to call and he shot the man dead.
1: Well, after ringing the police, he rang his mother. Here is that call. Who? Mama. Who's this? It's
2: Wayne. Yes, this his mama, baby? Mama? Yes. Huh? I killed him. Wayne? No. Oh, what are you doing? Yeah, Yes. Sir. Oh, God. Where are you? Um, it's uh... It's all right. It's all right. Where are you? I'm out of his warehouse. Where? Out of that warehouse, he keeps. Can I come out there? Yeah, yes. No. It's on the park. You can't. No, you can't come. I'm I'm with the police, Mama.
4: Now, that is a really strange call. And, you know, even for how brief it is, you know, his his mum sort of says, who is it kind of thing. And, like, this is he, her son who actually said, Mama, you know, like it's not like it was some sort of tra- strange teleconference, you know, but she didn't really ask him how or why. So so when um, Wayne actually says, I killed Dean, she's shocked and sad and and wants to cry, but it's really odd that um, at the same time she's sort of very distant from it. But it's weird that she didn't want to know details. But then, you know, she, she gets that instinct that comes in and she wants to protect her son and ask where he is and what, he, what she can do to be with him. So, you know, for a 17-year-old kid, he's actually very calm about what has just occurred. And, you know, this is one of the most horrifying cases in US history and it's just quite shocking that we actually get to this point purely because one of the killers actually kill the other killer now this doesn't happen all that often so when it does it's it's just so strange and the fact that this 17 year old boy had to kill his his co-killer um is is just it's incomprehensible and just the way that the mum responds to him it's it's just quite odd I really have to say, Amanda, this case has piqued my interest. Yeah, well, that's why we're going to do it soon. And um, for a shameless plug, I actually have pieces um, from the case. I've got um, some original photos and things like that in the museum, plus uh, lots of correspondence from Wayne. Um, but it's it's just this case is just so different. It is most people don't know about it, but they know about the John Wayne Casey case that happened around the same time. So that was sort mm. of a bigger case because there was more victims. But um, the Cole, Henley and Brooks case... There is so many different um, branches of it that um, I can't wait to do it because it's just, it's just amazing and make your head spin.
1: All right, coming soon. Well, finally, we have the nephew of Robert Maudsley, a man who was called England's Hannibal Lecter, who was sent to prison for killing pedophiles. Here is what his nephew, Gavin, had to say about the killer when interviewed on British TV.
3: You love your family through thick and thin, as he's saying, you know. It doesn't matter what you have done. This is what he's saying when it's family. There's no sugar coating now. There. There's not. He's a serial killer, yeah. But he's he's the only person to go into prison as a murderer and he became a serial killer in jail.
1: What does that mean? The only person who became a serial killer in jail?
4: Well, what he's saying that he, he he went to jail because he killed one person, then killed several more. Once he was in prison, we have about four serial killers in this country that have done that. So it's 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 a very random statement to make, but I think it was more of a beat up just to show how how horrific this killer was. But you know, um, Gavin here is just showing that as as we said at the start, this blood is thicker than water, and you love mm. your family regardless of what's happened.
1: Well Maudsley killed pedophiles, as you've just revealed I mean
4: that's good isn't it <laughs> yeah true i mean it's it's hard to hate a man that actually is sort of killing the worst of of, of the worst to most people um you know people could think he, sh- he should be you know president or something like that <laughs> um but it's but it's very different to how the crimes of of Tarrant that we've just done, so there is a hatred there, but for Maudsley, though he gets his beat up as a cannibal and all of that, um, people still don't hate him as much purely because of who he chose as his own victims. All
1: right, Maudsley's nephew Gavin explains what life was like in the Maudsley household.
3: Me that said, for some reason, it's as if the worst was reserved for Robbie. Like the granddad just didn't like Robbie for some reason you know. And although they all had a bad time and a rough time, it's like Robbie got the worst. I believe there was one time he came into the room with an air rifle cocked and he broke broke the air rifle across Robert's back, hit him across the back with it and broke the air rifle.
1: Amanda, let me ask you this. Is childhood abuse an excuse for becoming a murderer?
4: Um, Yes and no. I mean, this is, is that age-old question about nature versus nurture. Um... There is so many people in this world that have had a life of abuse, sexual, mental, physical. It doesn't mean that they're actually going to become a killer. But what it does is it lays one of those foundation stones. So if a person is is raised in a house of violence, is always treated poorly, sees that there is more violence towards them than the rest of the family, we do see them sometimes explode. I mean, Ed Kemper is a perfect example. His mother treated him horribly horribly yes. and then and then sent him away and it's almost exactly the same with the Maudsley case and and he sort of had this hatred I mean the other killer I think of is Carl Panzerham who did the same thing he said I, I grew up in violence that I sort of took that violence in, in into the world and killed as many people as I could purely because I had a hatred for everyone in the world
1: mm. well Gavin then explains how and when Maudsley became a killer
3: he's run away to London Met some guy. The guy showed him pictures, supposedly, of a girl that he was abusing. And my uncle freaked out, killed him, went to the police station, handed himself in. There was no manhunt. And he said, I've just killed a sex offender. Here I am. Now, will you help me? It's
1: interesting, isn't it? You said earlier that there would be some thought of making him the mayor of london
4: (laughs) i mean yeah i mean it's not funny that he has killed someone but this guy actually showed him the proof that that he had been abusing this young girl and maudsley knowing violence is is one of his only answers and and the only way he, he can express himself he he killed the guy and he had instant remorse he went and handed himself in but he was also grateful for you know that he had this sense of violence and the only way to, to take it out was on someone who probably deserved it. So, mm. you know, I, I would have made him mayor as well probably.
1: Do you know what? It's interesting though that if he kills one pedophile in jail, you might think, mm, there's a problem here. He killed four. So you wonder whether authorities allowed him to be near pedophiles. That's all I'm saying. Gavin explains how he found out about his uncle's crimes.
3: My dad didn't know where Robert was. And it was only reading the papers that he learned that Robert had killed someone. I knew he was in prison and he'd done wrong, but it was never explained to me when I was a child what he had done for obvious reasons. And it was when I was around maybe 12, 13 years of age. I was in senior school. And one of my friends in class was reading maybe the Daily Mirror or something like that. And there was a double spread Cannibal Maudsley or Britain's Hannibal letter with the story and there was a photograph of him. And I do look like my uncle in this photograph. And one of my friends said, hey, who's is, is this Maudsley fella? Is he related to you? And I knew straight away then that that was my Uncle Bob. So I was able to read that newspaper article and really get to grips with what he had done and learn the details of it. And it was only then that I've gone back and spoke to my mum that I've seen this in the paper about Uncle Bob, blah, blah, blah. And that's when I was to find out exactly what had happened.
1: Wowzers. But it's not uncommon for families to keep things like this a secret, is
5: it?
4: No, it's not. I mean, I, I remember one time, it was, it was probably about 15 years ago, a young girl contacted me because she had read one of my books and um, in the book was the Anita Cobby killing. And she actually said to me, look, I'm, I'm a niece of her and my family won't talk about it and it's a bit hush hush. so can you sort of walk me through it all you know without the gratuitous violence but just to explain what happened she goes because it's it's something that no one will talk about so it's it's interesting to to find these people that are linked to these cases Mm. and as we said it often affects the family quite grossly but here we have a couple of people who sort of had had to read a newspaper or or had to read a book to understand what had happened to someone. And so then once it comes out and, you know, if, if Gavin had gone to his, his family said like, what the fuck, there might've been a different conversation, but he read it all and went, okay, so this is what happened. And so the family were quite open and were able to sort of explain it in, in a calm way that it wasn't shame, especially when he was killing pedophiles, but the fact that yes, he was in prison and it's not, it's it's not a bad thing but it is a bad thing, but you know, you can ex- accept it a bit more
1: mm. Well Gavin then explains what it's like to know your uncle is known as Hannibal Lecter
3: He's my special uncle because I've got no other uncle I could compare to him in any kind of way, you know you know, all, all my other uncles are just, just my uncles, you know whereas Uncle Bob he's done these crazy things and stuff like that and there's this big story surrounding him and That in itself puts a bit of a cloud over the family, but I'm trying to move that cloud because for too many years it's been like that. And, you know, you've been through all that pain. So let's just enjoy what we've got together.
1: It must be hard having an infamous name, like here in uh, here, the name Malak piques people's interest. Bundy, Gacy, Dharma, names can create issues for those who are innocent, but are linked nonetheless.
4: Oh, it does, and there has been people I've spoken to because I'm one of those weird people who hears a certain and and I'll, and I'll ask, are you related? And I know <laughs> I'm not the first person to ask, and I certainly won't be the the last to ask them. Um, but some of them go, yeah, yeah, you know, Uncle Ivan or, or something like that. But um, most of them, if they have an issue, actually change their name. So um, I know that uh, the daughter of, um, the happy face killer actually changed her surname, uh, purely because her, her husband, uh, her father Jesperson actually said to her, your surname is going to ruin your life. Change yes. it, you know, yeah. but here we have a guy saying, yeah, uncle Bob. Yep. Yeah, he's Hannibal Lecter. And there was almost a bravado about it. So it's, it's a very different response, but it just shows that they are accepting sometimes of, of their family. They can hate what they've done, but they don't hate the person.
1: Mm. Very interesting. Well, Amanda, this was a really fascinating case of stories, I've got to say, in a very different angle. I really liked this one. Thank you very much.
4: Yeah, it was very interesting, and I'm, I'm glad we could do it.
1: Yeah, we'll see you next week on Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions.
2: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods